All right, here we go for Sol 95, January 21st, the month just cruising along. Minus 14 in the city of champions. Uh, uh, high of plus eight coming up on the weekend. Got to be kidding. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 on your AM radio dial or the mini apps on iHeartRadio or on sports1440.ca. Really appreciate you coming along for the ride this morning from 7 to 11. Again, a plus 8, plus 9 for the weekend. That is just smoking hot. The only thing hotter would be the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, boy, another win. It's just, it's Groundhog Day in a good way. Every day with this team right now. Uh, pick up win number 13 in a row in Calgary on Saturday night in the Battle of Alberta to improve to 26-15-1. and one. Good for 53 points on the season. And just think, whatever it is, seven weeks ago or so, the Oilers were... 30th place in the NHL. Now look where they sit in the standings. Just six points back of Vegas with four games in hand. Those 13 wins now a Canadian record uh, for consecutive wins. Beating the Montreal Canadiens back in 1967-68. The all-time record is everyone kind of is peaking at that. Pittsburgh Penguins, 17 wins in a row back in uh, 92 93. Big Sam Gagne with the game winner. A little Plinko action. Uh, it was good to see uh, Gagne when back in the lineup and picking up the game winner. And what more can you say about Stu Skinner? So that's 10 straight wins now for Skinner that ties Grant Fuhr for the longest winning streak in franchise history. Stu Skinner is just, he's playing. By far the best he's ever played in his young NHL career. Remember, he's just in his second year. Calder finalist last year. And when you look at all these, I guess, you know, marks uh, that the Oilers are matching or passing and records breaking and maybe the best, the most impressive one right now, besides the 13 wins, obviously that's at the top of the list, but the Oilers have allowed only two goals or less in 11 straight games. That's that's a franchise record, which, I mean, that is an amazing stat. When you look at the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, they were going on, you know, they had 30-some games with, uh, you know, three goals or less. But two goals or less in 11 straight games, pretty impressive. Uh, text coming in, one 1440 which kind of leads to some text already. And what is going to likely be happening Shortly, in the next uh, day or so, Corey Perry reports on the weekend surfacing that Corey Perry will sign with the Edmonton Oilers in the near future. All reports indicate that Perry will be signing with the Oilers. And, boy, that adds a big, big... uh, I don't know if you want to call it a void, but you can say the Oilers are a little undersized on the bottom six moving forward. But with the addition of Perry... Uh-uh. And yes, we know what happened in Chicago. That will likely be uh, talked about, but I don't think anyone cares, to be honest with you. If you can get a guy with his playoff pedigree and size, attitude, um, he arrives on the scene with bad intentions a lot of the time, but... Pretty pretty solid addition. We're going to see what happens, what shakes down there. Uh, text coming in, one 1440 Do you like the Corey Perry addition to the Oilers? Uh, send us a note. Northside Norm says, 
Great weekend. Big win in Cowtown and fun celebration post-game with Cam McDavid and Alex DeHarnay. Alex almost took me out with a high-five hug like Vinny does to Stu. Then we add Perry for practically nothing. And then my Chiefs win on top of the world. Northside Norm. The steer farmer checks in with his Monday morning roll call. Uh, good morning, boys. Goalers go. The Battle of, of Alberta was great. What a good game. Uh, text one 401 I guess we should probably talk about the Alberta Junior Hockey League and quite uh, the announcement, sort of, I guess, on the weekend. And, you know, there's lots to digest here. There, there are a lot of moving parts. So basically what was announced on Saturday through the BCHL not through the AJHL, that five teams will be joining the BCHL next season. Those teams are the Sherwood Park Crusaders, Spruce Grove Saints, Brooks Bandits, Black Falls Bulldogs, and the Okotoks Oilers. The AJHL has been fairly quiet on all of this, as you would think that's kind of how um, they would have to go about the business. I mean, this is this came way out. I, I shouldn't say it. You know, it's almost in, inevitable the way things were going and things were have progressed with what happened in BC and then through Hockey Canada. The AJHL released a statement yesterday, Just and this is kind of what it says. The AJHL was informed through an announcement from the BCHL of a decision by five t- member teams to join the BCHL for 2024. 2024- 2025 season. No official notice has been provided to the AJHL from the respective teams. As a league, we are assessing the next steps and schedule implications. The AJHL will continue to provide unprecedented development opportunities for our athletes within our valuable community. So, there were also two games cancelled on Saturday and two games cancelled yesterday. Two of them involved the Brooks Bandits. One of them involved the Spruce Grove Saints and one of them involved the Black Falls Bulldogs. Again, a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot to digest. Hockey Canada and the BCHL, obviously there's a reason why the BCHL left last year because they don't like the restrictions that are put on a lot of teams, a lot of players in Canadian hockey. So a, a colleague of mine in uh, Vancouver, Jay Janauer, uh, worked at Global in Vancouver. He's been there for 30 years. Uh, he, he hosts the, the morning show on Saturday, and he had BCHL CEO Chris Webb on. And here's his comment from Chris Webb. Leaving Hockey Canada was a long process, a difficult decision. Um, we have no animosity towards the Federation, but in order for us to grow, we needed to have our hands on the wheel. And now what we're doing is something that I believe across the country that other leagues are watching, and they are very interested in seeing exactly what it looks like to be independent of Hockey Canada. Again, can't stress enough with all the moving parts. I was on the horn yesterday to several people in and around that have ties to the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Obviously, they're not happy. These are all privately owned teams that are heading to the BC League. They are deep-pocketed owners that have the ability to take this process and move forward with it. Um, we're going to probably, again, AJHL 
as you would imagine, being silent on this. So in the next day or two, I would imagine things are, will start to shake down and we'll try to have some representatives from the AJHL and possibly, you know, we have a, a good rapport with Sherwood Park. We've had Adam Surgery on, uh, the general manager, uh, several times on the show uh, in the morning. And, of course, we have a, a good relationship with the Spruce Grove Saints. Now, again, uh, privately-owned teams, uh, community-owned teams would have a much tougher I guess uh, a process to to kind of go this route just because of how they are situated, how they are built, how they are run. So hopefully we can get to a lot of this uh, in the next few days and try to sort it out, try to give a a little bit of light on the situation. Uh, Again, uh, hmm. here's another, and I never even talked about this one. So this is from KM. Kevin, do you understand how terrible this is for the AJHL referees? We can't skate in the BCHL as it's a non-hockey Canada, completely screwed over their livelihood. Another another angle that really hasn't been talked about. Uh, Stair Farmer says, we've all seen this coming. Lots of people are upset with Hockey Canada with the issues that have come up in the last few years. And that is, again, what I said off the top. This was inevitable because of how Hockey Canada is run. Restrictions are a big, big um, word here. Uh, Compensation, things like that. Uh, When a player is developed in the CHL, those teams are compensated from the NHL. Um, never saw that moving forward here uh, in in the AJHL or BC. You know, uh, there are many players that came out, like even look at look at look at a player like Dylan Holloway with the Oilers. Well, how much compensation did they get developing Dylan Holloway? It's, I mean, tons of moving parts here. Uh, let's welcome into the Duke of Delburn. We've got to talk a little NFL, Duke. You're the 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 the, the shoe fell off, eh? The Cinderella Houston Texans, Duke. Not, not. I mean, we all kind of figured it would happen, but Baltimore is a heck of a football team. Yeah, Baltimore really kind of showed uh, basically in every facet why they were the one seed. They like the first half was a bit of a struggle, kind of almost a mm-hmm. feeling out process after the uh, the bye week, um, and what was really two weeks off for for most of this team stars and stuff with a lot of resting going on in the final yeah. week of the regular season. So uh, I, I thought the Texans did a good job keeping themselves in the game, but then in the second half, the, the Ravens came out and pretty much had their way with them. Lamar. Uh, doing or showing what he's capable of as the likely MVP this year. I mean, he had 100 yards on the ground, a couple touchdowns to go with what he did through the air. And the Ravens' defense, I think, was the biggest story in the way they uh, kept the Texans' offense in check. They didn't score a touchdown. The only TD was off the uh, the punt Mm -hmm. return. So, it's um, yeah, not not a surprising result, I think. And uh, I said this uh, even before the wild card round. Like, this was a great season for the Texans, the steps taken in what is kind of the the first year of this this turnaround with a new head coach, new quarterback. Um, great to see. So, and I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, Kevin, like full disclosure, I, I text when you text me, the game was starting. I was at the farm doing mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, some stuff for, for my dad. We were sorting some cattle out to ship. I honestly didn't, well, I, I watched the fourth quarter of this game. Yeah. That was it. So I didn't really see much of anything except, uh, you know, salt in the wound basically as the Ravens kept tacking on points. Uh, and then I missed, uh, the entirety of the Saturday night game as I was at the Red Deer Rebels versus the Prince Albert Raiders at the Centrium. And then uh, yesterday, obviously, taken in both games uh, throughout the course of the afternoon. So mm-hmm. it um, the only one that really ended up surprising me was the Sunday night game. And the <laughs> Bills Bills had their chance, but as uh, as everybody, well, you know, plenty of people have said over the, the course of time, you just can't trust a kicker. <laughs> uh, text coming in. Uh, again, a lot of conversation. We'll be talking about this over the next 
few days with the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and I mean, this is just a devastating blow for the AJHL, but again, it's a, a different... Uh, <laughs> A different outlook when you talk about these other teams moving forward. This is Adam in uh, Spruce Grove says Silent Ice uh, has been building a successful independent hockey empire for seven, eight years. They have uh, Hockey Super League, Junior Prospects Hockey League have taken a ton of top end players out of the minor hockey system, starting with kids at seven years old. More ice time, more flexibility in terms of what teams can do, less bureaucracy. True. Uh, for Silent Ice, this makes a ton of sense to distance more of their properties from Hockey Canada. Uh, there are so many people that have major issues with Hockey Canada, how the organization is run. I mean, you, you need to look no further of how they've they, how they handled you know the junior hockey team situation from you know five six years ago and you know, continue to kind of. I mean, they they would just love this to go away, and this is just a total separate conversation. They just they've tried to sweep it under the carpet. Didn't work. Now it gets to parliamentary committee. I mean, a situation where that's just one little entity. That's just one little instance. Think about all the other stuff where, again, you heard what, you know, the the uh, president of the BCHL, CEO, goes, we want our hands on the wheel. We, we, don't, we want a little freedom here. We want to be able to drive the vehicle, you know. So uh, we'll be touching on that, I would imagine, over the course of the next few days. Uh, busy show. How about the hey, New York Islanders win last night, 3-2 in overtime over Dallas. Patty Roy, Patrick Waugh, his uh, debut behind the bench for the Islanders as he takes over for Lane Lambert. So a uh, big, uh, a successful uh, debut behind the bench for Patrick Waugh. And Ethan Sears from the New York Post will guest with us after the break covers the Islanders and we'll break this down. Lorianne Munzer will uh, check in at 8 o'clock, our Monday morning co-host from 8 to 10 uh, at that same hour at 8. Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice. And then uh, Paula Finley will guest with us, our headliner of the day for Mr. Rudard. Paula Finley, of course, uh, world champion triathlete, Edmonton product, uh, wears the city colors and banners proudly. So Paula Finley will be with us. Uh, Craig Ellis, former CFLer, played here, played in Sasky. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about CFL, NFL with uh, uh, Craig Ellis. Our game of the day for St. Albert Dodge. I think we're going to do the Winnipeg Jets, Boston Bruins tonight. We'll preview that. Those are the top two teams in the NHL point percentage-wise. I think uh, Vancouver's got a point on on them, but uh, with games played, etc. point percentage-wise, the top two teams in the NHL. And then Larry Holder, a senior NFL writer at The Athletic, will be with us at 10.20. Coming up after the break, Ethan Sears, New York Post, covers the Islanders. We'll uh, guest with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer as we welcome in Ethan Sears to the show. Good morning, Ethan. Welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks so much. Good morning to you, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for hopping on. Uh, busy couple of days in New York with uh, the Islanders and uh, the firing of Lane Lambert and uh, the hiring of uh, Patrick Waugh. And once again, kind of Lou Lamorello just does this sort of quietly. He's, he's sneaky about making big, big moves like this. What did you make of the change? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, um, I, I don't know that any of us were all that shocked uh, that Lane Lambert was let go after, you know, a four-game trip where 
they lost all four games, didn't really look that interested uh, more than more than once. But uh, but Patrick Waugh, you know, when that when you see that name, it's uh, that was that was certainly a shock. And um, you know, I think that that really is uh, you, you know he is a guy who who commands respect right when he walks into the room. Um, he's a guy who you know can can motivate a team and and you see just the interest and sort of energy level around the Islanders has sort of instantly jumped jumped up a notch um you know it they they won last night it didn't really look all that great but that's you know what this team ultimately needed right was two points Ethan Sears with us on Sports 1440. So, Ethan, whenever we talk about Patrick Waugh, it's the fire, it's the passion, it's the emotion. Um, is that is it going to take a little while for him to kind of bring those attributes and for, I guess, the team to kind of take over that identity of their coach? Well, I mean, I think those attributes are, th- those were obvious right away. I mean, you see it, you know, even in his first press conference, he's talking about how how much respect he has for you know, the dynasty teams of the 80s. You saw it last night, just watching him on the bench, like pacing back and forth, uh, instructing. You could hear him shouting all the way up in the press box at times. Um, So that was there right away. As far as the team taking it on, yeah, I do think that will maybe take a little bit of time. I mean, I I think probably they, they gave up 43 shots last night, and I think part of that was, the Islanders trying to get used to some of his uh, some of the tweaks he's bringing to the system. Um, they maybe didn't have quite as much energy as they should have for the early part of the game, um, but I, I do think that they that they will get there with him. So, Ethan, uh, when you look at the makeup of this team, they got some you know great, great, talented players. So, I mean, how does Patrick Waugh get a little more out of those players that maybe Lane Lambert couldn't get out of them? Yeah, well, I mean, something that he's already talked about is wanting the Islanders to take more pride in, in defense. And and what's interesting is, you know, when you kind of think of the Islanders, the first thing that, that you probably think of is, is defense and the way they won games under Barry Trotz, right, which was, you know, they'll win 2-1 games, they'll take a lead in the into the third period and they'll shut things down, right? And they sort of went away from that uh, under Lane Lambert, especially this year. Uh, the structure hasn't really been there. They've given up a lot of high danger chances. Ilya Sorokin leads the league in shots faced. So I think going back to that sort of bread and butter uh, Islanders identity, they're going to take pride in defense. Uh, they're going to break the puck out clean and and just do things like that. I, I think that's going to be you know the sort of mo for Patrick Waugh here. Ethan Sears with us on Sports 1440 on the subject of defense, but maybe offensive defenseman. How good has Noah Dobson been for the Islanders this year? Oh, he's been he's been excellent. I mean, it's it's really it's too bad that uh, that he's not going to be at the All Star game because he he deserves to be. I mean, you look at the, the injuries they've had on their back end that Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulak, uh, you know. Uh, Almost their entire defense, Scott Mayfield, Sebastian Ajo, have all missed a pretty significant amount of time this year. And the way Noah Dobson has stepped up, I mean, this this team would really not not be anywhere near the playoff race without him. He's he's averaged over 25 minutes a night. He's averaging, uh, I think, still over a point per game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the leap he's taken has been just just palpable. And 
you know, I mean, he's put himself, it, you know, I, I don't think he'll get first place votes for the Norris right now, but he's put himself kind of in that top five, I think. He's going to get a lot of third place uh, votes after uh, Quinn yeah, Hughes right. and Kale McCarr just having a phenomenal season. What are they going to do with him, Ethan, here? So his contract is up at the end of next year, so they can start negotiating with him, you know, uh, after this season. He's he's going to command, like, I mean, if he signs an eight-year deal, it's, we're probably looking in, you know, $80 million kind of area. Yeah, I mean, you, you would have to think that's where the conversation starts, right? Because they're going to see, see the salary cap jump up. And and he has, as you said, commanded that, that kind of money. Um, you know, based on how the Islanders have, have done things the last couple summers with with Matt Barzal signing before last season, uh, with Ilya Sorokin signing his extension on July 1st last year, uh, I would expect that to be a priority for them. Uh, you know, Lou Amarillo likes to lock down his guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would have to think that, that you'll see them try to get that done as soon as possible this summer. And like you said, I, I would have to think that that number would end up landing around, you know, 10 million a year if things keep going, you know, if he finishes the season the way he started it. Mm-hmm. Ethan Sears with us covers the New York Islanders for the uh, New York post, uh, on sports 1440. Um, when you look at the roster makeup, Ethan, it's a little older roster than maybe some other teams uh, in the uh, NHL. Are they looking at this as our window right now to have a you know a push, a playoff push? Got to get in the playoffs because a lot of the guys are kind of you know they're getting a little longer in the tooth when it comes to age and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I you know, Lou is a he's a he's a win now guy. He's not really interested in. In a, in a rebuild or a retool, um, he thinks that that this roster can can win right now. Uh, the guys in the room think this roster can win right now. You know, it's been a couple years since since they've won a playoff series, but but they still very much believe that that's something that that they can do. Um, and you know, this this move with bringing in Patrick Waugh kind of reflects that. You know, that that is to sort of give this team a jolt and and get them. You know into the playoffs and and if they get there you know they they at least believe that they can do something once they're there ethan sears with us on sports 1440 how would you assess the play of uh, matthew barzell leading the team in scoring just a point ahead of uh, noah dobson by the way but uh, how would you say uh, matthew barzell has looked i guess this year compared to years past yeah well i mean what's different is you know they've they moved him to the wing uh, so that he can you know play play with Bo Horvat and really he he hasn't had a line mate who is as as talented as Bo Horvat probably ever um, you know just in terms of offensive ability in terms of being able to read off him uh, he's a, he's a really unique player just in in the way he skates uh, in the decisions he makes and and the way Horvat has been able to uh, to play off of him has, has been really important to that. And, and you see, you know, Barzell kind of have that comfortability. And, you know, even the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, Casey Zizekas has been out. So they tried a couple games with, with Barzell and Horvat split up. And you saw the difference to the point where they they went away from that, you know, with, within a few games because the what's best for Matt Barzell and, and what's best for Bo Horvat right now is, for the two of them to be playing together, I think it's made a big difference to both of them, and I think that that's a big reason why you're seeing that uh, that scoring jump for him. 
The New York Post, Ethan Sears with us on Sports 1440. Uh, can you kind of give an update with the, the players that are a little banged up on injured reserve or long-term uh, injured reserve, uh, Ethan? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Semyon Varlamov uh, and Pierre Engvall, uh, Engvall's not on injured reserve, but he's missed a few games. Both mm-hmm. of them were on the ice with the team yesterday morning. Um, the rest of the guys who are who are out, so that's Casey Sezegis, Robert Bortuzzo, and Ryan Pollock, uh, none of them have started skating yet. Uh, so the Islanders haven't given, you know, exact time frames. Uh, they just sort of speak in terms of, you know, day-to-day or, or week-to-week, which are sort of meaningless terms the way that, that they get used. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where things stand right now. Um, and you, the, the big one there is, is Semyon Varlamov, just because Ilya Sorokin has, has now played 13 or 14 games in a row, and you can kind of see, you know, the, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a heavy workload on him. Uh, so, you know, the, the sooner he can come back, uh, the, the better for the Islanders. How do you see things shaking down here in the Met Tough division? Rangers are leading it, but, I mean, the Islanders are right there along with Washington and the Devils. Uh, just kind of give us your thoughts on where you see this division kind of heading with, you know, again, so many teams are – it just seems so many teams are equal, uh, you know, right around with the same capabilities and moving forward. Uh, what, do you, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, it, it it has been really, really tight all year. I mean, the, the, the Rangers kind of had a bit of a cushion. That's gone away with how they've played recently. Everyone kind of expected the Flyers to fade. That doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, you know, Carolina seems to have started to maybe figure some, some things out recently. Um, and, you know, if the Islanders can, can make a, a push with Patrick Waugh, they'll, they'll be right in it too. Uh, I, I do think that, that the Rangers are probably the, the best team, um, you know, if, if they can kind of snap out of this funk, and, and they did win in Anaheim last night, mm-hmm. uh, I think they probably should hang on to first place there. Um, and, you know, Philly, we'll see what they do at, at the trade deadline. You know, they've got a couple guys on expiring contracts, and I think the thought for them at the beginning of this season was, you know, get get to February or March and, and then trade some of those guys, and they've played well enough to make that a question mark. Um, but, you know, if, if you're asking me for a prediction, I do probably still think it'll be the Rangers, but, you know, the way this has gone, it, 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 that could go, you know, any number of ways. Ethan Sears with us on Sports 1440. How long do you think this Patrick Walk coaching bump will uh, last? Again, uh, All-Star break coming up here, so each team has a extended time off, and maybe it comes at a good time or a bad time for the Islanders. We don't know that. Uh, but just a, a coaching bump always seems to happen with a new coach. Uh, how long do you think it can last here in, on the island? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that if, if the Islanders can kind of get to the all-star break and, and their schedule between now and then they're, they're playing every other day. It's not easy, but if, if they can get to the all-star break in kind of, you know, decent shape, uh, I think that'll be really good for them. I think that'll sort of give, give Patrick Waugh some time to, you know, implement his, his systems, their schedule in, in the early part of February is pretty light because they have, they have the stadium series games and they've got a few days off before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, for him, I, I think he probably needs the opportunity for, you know, for some practice time. And right now, the schedule doesn't really afford that. Uh, you know, they're not practicing today, for example, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is a bit of a surprise. But you know, they're playing every other day this whole week. 
you know, I, the priority maybe is, is rest and recovery. Um, so if, if they can kind of get through this week, I, I think that, you know, you're going to see maybe some, some more system changes mm-hmm. versus tweaks and, and that can maybe, maybe sustain a bump for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, things, things always sort of seem to last, you know, the honeymoon period will last <laughs> with the fans for as long as it takes for them to lose a game. Right. So, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. You've got to ask you about a little NFL here because, you know, both the giants and jets had very disappointing seasons and, but Buffalo, uh, you know, kind of a New York based team uh, saw their season come to an end last night. what do you think of that? Uh, well, uh, to be honest with you, Kevin, I was, uh, I was up on the, Islanders press box. Okay. So I, I didn't see. I didn't see all that much of the game last night. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a, a tough loss for Buffalo, and and you see, uh, you know, the field goal going wide, wide <laughs> right, and um, that's, uh, you know, you, you feel for the, for that fan base, and they've uh, they've been through a lot uh, over the years, and uh, just 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 a hard way to lose. Uh, you know, they lose to the Chiefs, not not for the first time, and um, you know, kind of the, kind of. Just like the the Detroit Lions, you yeah. know, you hope that, you know, at some point that that fan base can kind of, uh, you know, get get rewarded for the way that, that mm-hmm. they stuck by their team because it, you know, it is special up there in Buffalo. Isn't it funny? Like, so you're covering the Islanders, you're the beat reporter. You got to keep tabs on that. But just as everyone knows, you know, there might be a little monitor in the on the press box, or someone's got it somewhere where you're watching, keeping keeping an eye on the game, just because you know everyone has that vested interest in it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and and uh, you know you're you know you look at Twitter during the game, yeah. and, and of course <laughs> you kind of see everybody talking about it, and, and you see the clips. So um, you know I was aware of what was happening, but um, you know maybe not watching it, you know all that closely. But but like I said, just um, obviously a very tough way for them. Mm-hmm. Hey Ethan, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck uh, to the Islanders the rest of the way here, uh, and thanks for hopping on. Thanks a lot. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. That's uh, Ethan Sears from the uh, New York Post, covers the New York Islanders. The Islanders with a 3-2 win over the Dallas Stars last night in overtime. And that was uh, Patrick Ross' debut behind the Islanders' bench. A successful one. Uh, Ethan Sears, part of our... Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. Boy, you think of all the things over the years, Patrick Wall, like, you know, he got into it with, was it Bruce Boudreaux years ago with the Ducks? Was that? I uh, believe that was his first game first as head ga- coach yeah. of the Avalanche. That's uh, about 12, 11 years ago, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, a long time you ago. Know. Uh, That's a good yeah, decade. Late, early, early 2010s, yeah, uh, somewhere in that good realm. Good decade for sure. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they were just, it was at the end of the game, I think, or something like that, wasn't it? Uh, it? It was a disagreement, and then Boudreaux was going after the refs, and then they were going at each other, and yeah, they put, <laughs> he actually pushed the glass partition yes. between the two benches, like mm-hmm. out of its uh, slot, and it was like, coming down over on the other side then they were pushing it back I, and forth it was quite what, the scene i think yeah. what happened was it was a late i mean colorado pounded the ducks as you can imagine duke mm-hmm. your, your ducks pounded i think it was six nothing or something like that and then oh, they scored God. a late goal and uh boudreaux and patty patty roy were going at it just like you know head to head with just a little bit of glass in between them yeah yeah well i mean hey that's uh 
two guys that played pro hockey for a long time, albeit at different levels. Mm-hmm. Boudreaux's career, uh, quite prolific in the American Hockey League, and Patrick Waugh, and Europe. arguably the yeah. greatest goaltender of all time at the NHL level. Um, so I'm sure that the, you know both those guys, if given the opportunity, wouldn't be too shy about uh, actually squaring up. Although I think I'd give Patty Wall the edge, yeah. probably. You know, Gabby was he was a different cat back in the day. That, yeah. That's Bruce Boudreaux's nickname, yeah, yeah. Gabby, because he talked all the time, all the time. Good, uh, you know, a buddy of ours, uh, uh, Bruce Hardy. He was at Millwood's golf course for a long, long time, and now he's at the Glendale. He played with uh, uh, Bruce Boudreaux in Germany, and talks about it all the time. And in fact, I remember one time I was at uh, I was at the draft. I believe it was in. I think it was in L.A. It was in 2010, and it was the Taylor Hall draft, and, I, and Bruce Boudreau was walking by, and I, I said, hey, Bruce, and he wanted nothing to do with me. He was like, totally blew me off. And then I said, uh, I know Bruce Hardy. Oh, you know Bruce Hardy? And he doubled back. It was kind of funny. So uh, when we come back, we'll have some open text time. Uh, we'll chit-chat with the Duke uh, about a number of uh, things, and then Lorianne Munzer will be with us at the top of the hour with Mark Spector. That's all coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 7.45 in Edmonton. Minus 14, but plus 8, plus 9 by the weekend. Duke, what are you going to Now you can go sort cows in that weather, man. Well, yeah, hey. a little too late. I'll be <laughs> curling this weekend. Are you? Yeah. Well, tonight starts tonight. What's going on? Uh, Delburn Farmers Bonspiel this week. <laughs> I got the call, and oh. uh, so I'll be trekking down for a nice little 8.30 draw. Tonight? Tonight, yeah. You'll be just dragging your ass in here tomorrow morning. No then. chance. I'm a I'm a consummate pro. I'll be okay, I'll be a little eight thirty. So we're looking uh, at it. Here's my plan. Here's my plan. Eight thirty okay. draw. Either A, we beat our opponents so soundly, or alternatively, get beat so soundly that we call it a wrap after about four. No, no, no. It's not happening. I'm hoping for a four ender. Maybe we're up like twelve rip at that point or something. No, no. But then you've got the celebration, Duke. You have to, like, you're not taking that into account. Yes, I, I know that that is the case, but I also know that I have to be here very early tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I'm thinking uh, for this week, because we have, we're probably have another game on Wednesday. I'll miss that one. I'll get a, a So this it. is in at the Delburn Curling Rink. Delburn Curling Club. How many 100, sheets 100, of ice? 100th year. 100th year. Two sheets, four sheets? Three. Three, Three sheets. Wow. <laughs> and um, so, so yeah, it's hundredth year of the Delburn Curling Club. A big celebration of the yeah. so the, the farmers kind of being the uh, you know marquee event of the uh, the club every year. We'll have banquet Saturday night, which I somehow got roped into host like emceeing, whatever hosting, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that I think that's when I'll save the celebration for. Will be the Friday and Saturday night uh, affairs. So and then back here Sunday uh, down to the ice house for championship weekend. <laughs> Did you have a was the did the Tropicanas play last night too? They did. And oh, huge win. Comeback victory for the Trops last night, Kev. I don't see I I'll, I might have to go watch one of these Tropicana Orangeman games. Yeah, if you're ever that hard up for entertainment. Here's the thing. <laughs> last the first half of last night's game was maybe the worst hockey I've played in since I was like uh in novice, you know, U10. It mm-hmm. was U8 maybe. I, I was terrible. But we really kind of rallied the troops. We were down a couple Came back in the third period, a nice uh, mm-hmm. 5-4 victory. Game-winning goal scored, shout-out Troitsky. Posting oh. in uh, down the wing, like minute and a half left or something like that. The Tropicanas are as hot as the Oilers, Duke. Not quite. 
text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Pillman says, "Good morning, boys. I missed you. Couldn't get you in Mexico. We probably could, or maybe they can't in Mexico. It, yeah, international streaming is difficult because right. we still have the six to nine programming that plays music. We can't. It, the the music mm-hmm. thing makes it difficult to stream internationally. Uh, at least the Oilers didn't lose while I was away." Uh, the King of Fort Nasty says, uh, Good morning, KK and Duke. I hope you had awesome sports-filled weekends. Exciting rumors about the Oilers signing Corey Perry. Uh, this kind of mid-season signing can add to playoff success. I've always liked his tenacity. Uh, the guy you hate unless he's on your lineup. A uh, couple of questions. Uh, where, When would he start and where do you see him playing? Uh, would he be... Uh, that's... the when when do you see him playing, and would he be coming out? I don't know. Let me, let me provide. Uh, so when would he start? Is it yeah. when would when do you think he would get into the lineup, and where do you see him playing? Okay. Who would be coming out? Oh, who of comes the after, out of the lineup after, well, of the aforementioned lineup? You're probably looking like uh, you know it would be someone on the fourth line that would come out. Uh, I would that's, think that's Sam Gagne. It's the Adam Ernie guy. Just you know, it's it's weird because. I was just talking about this before this news came out on Friday night mm-hmm. after the Outlaws game with a couple of guys in the dressing room about the return of Dylan Holloway, um, you know, on the not yeah. so distant horizon. Be like, when he returns, then all of a sudden you're going to go back to that kind of final forward spot in rotation between Hamblin, Ernie, uh, probably even Hamblin Derek Ryan now. at a certain point. But now with Perry being signed, that gets expedited. Mm-hmm. And, and so now when Holloway does return, I mean, it's an unfortunate circumstance for these players at the bottom lineup because they will see much less game time. But it it makes your lineup stronger, and now you have extra pieces. You have to have depth because there's so many injuries. You have to, and and again, it always it's so critical to have the that upward push in your lineup when you're when you have a team where your fourth line, and that's the whole thing. No one wants to play in the fourth line. They hate it, Um, and. If you play so hard on the fourth line, like what happens is the guys on the third line go, oh, look at this guy on the fourth line. He's busting his ass off here, and now I got to play even better. So, and then that it just keeps going up. You know, the the guys in the, on the second line they don't want to get come out of there. Guy like you know, you can look at a guy like Kane or McLeod or however it, it looked like that when uh, McLeod was playing up on the left wing, two left uh, left wing. He didn't want to come out of there, but he, you know the Oilers are probably a better team with McLeod at three uh, C right now. So uh, I would say Perry would be the third line right winger with some time on the fourth line, depending on how long it takes him to get up to speed. But uh, we'll see what shakes down here with Corey Perry. It's a big, big ad, Tony. Uh, hey guys, why why did the five AJHL teams do this mid season and jeopardize everything again? The timing of all of this kind of stinks. It sucks. Um, the eight, and again, we had all the all the. There's so many moving parts. We talked about the the texture that sent in about the referees not being able to. If you're under the Hockey Canada umbrella, uh, this does not take effect until next year. Uh, as far as these five teams going and playing, and there's a new division set up technically, an Alberta division with the other teams in the BCHL. And one of the teams in the Alberta division, I believe, is Prince George. So there'd be the five Alberta teams, and then Prince George has to... I mean, that's a, this is a lot of travel. Uh, it's tough uh, on these kids as it is. So that's a lot of travel in the sense where... Now you got to get out to, to to PG. PG's got to get out here. Those that team is going to be traveling like like crazy. Um, 
Good morning, guys. I'm late tuning in this morning. Did you guys talk about the AJHL news? Yes, 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 we did off the top. Yes, we did. And uh, it was, uh, again, situation that came out on the weekend. and sort of uh, out of, it surprised everyone because most felt this is inevitable, but to do it mid-season, uh, you still, the, you're, you're a carded, like all these players are still carded with Hockey Canada for the remainder of this season. That's what makes it, it difficult to kind of uh, get, grasp everything around it. I, I can't say it too many times. A, a lot of moving parts here. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to digest. So, uh, top of the hour, Laurie Ann Munzer has just bolted into the studio. Probably rode her bike here. Who knows? <laughs> Fat bikes. He's got the fat tires. Um, we will uh, have Laurie at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock with uh, Mark Spector. Then Paula Finley at 8.20, world champion triathlete and our headliner of the day. Uh, also coming up on the show, Craig Ellis, uh, former CFLer, former double year, former Sasky rough rider. Our game of the day will be the uh, Winnipeg Jets and the Boston Bruins. We'll uh, have that for you at 920 for St. Albert Dodge. And then Larry Holder, senior NFL writer at The Athletic, as we are down to the final four in the National Football League. It'll be Kansas City at Baltimore and then Detroit at San Fran. 50-50, they are saying, that Debo Samuel will play for the Niners against the Lions in the NFC Championship. Uh, top of the hour, it'll be Laurie Munzer and Mark Spector. Before that, time now for a sports 1440 update. Brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round, either at the downtown location or here in West Edmonton Mall on Sunday for the two games you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.